Hello and welcome back. This is the second episode of Turn the Page, uh, Saturday Night Gaming production. How are you doing? I'm your main host? You're, you're the main host. Secondary host? No. Primary host. Yes, you're the host. I'm the prime host. I'm the guy. Tony Stevens. I'm the star power. This is Sex Appeal, my good friend, John McClay. He's artist extraordinaire. Thank you. Uh, Beardy McBeardison. I'll accept that. The beard guy. He always likes good compliments on the beard, so if you want to, feel free to write in at any point in time, comment on his beard. If you like the length, if you want it longer, if you want it shorter. We need to know these things because it's important. Yeah, it is. Also, your feelings on tweet. Now, I'd actually like to talk about today because of the, you know, there's this huge blockbuster movie that came out over the past week. What's and that? It, well, it's it's maybe one of those things you haven't heard of. A character that maybe is a little off the wall. Oh, okay. It's old Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Far From Home. That just came out this week, starring Tom Holland, and we got some Zendaya in there. It's always great to have her. I hear she's going to be the new Ariel. Is she really? Mermaid, right? I didn't know that. I think that maybe she is. Maybe it's wrong. I don't know. We have I'll a have guy. a guy in a chair, yeah. We got a guy in the chair. Got a guy in a chair. He'll double check that information for me. Just so I look like I'm wrong and maybe right at the same time. Now, we can edit it out later. Right? Yeah, we could. We yeah. can just cut that or leave yeah. it in. It's neat. Either way. Right. People kind of look at it. They're like, whoa, what is he doing? He's a real guy. Not. Oh, it's authentic. Yeah, it's authentic. authentic. Not quite as refined Real as Howard Stern. Real people make mistakes. Right, they do. You know that I am not a bot. Why? Because I clicked three squares that all had cars in them, and that's how they know I'm not a bot. Right. So you want to talk about Spider-Man. I do. I do. The old web slinger himself, old webhead, created by Stan Lee. And? Hallie. No, it's not Hallie. Say that one. Bailey. Holly Bailey. So you were wrong. He was wrong. It's not Zendaya. It's not her. But she was great in The Greatest Showman. I led you wrong. My guy in the chair wheeled me in the in the middle of traffic, and he let me get hit by the bus. Thank it's, you, guy in the chair. It's in a wheelchair. Yeah, it's a wheelchair that I'm in now. Just for that, when we get old, I'm going to have him push around my wheelchair. That is now his fate in life. However, back to the point. Spider-Man. Oh, yes. Uh, you said Stan Lee. Stan Lee created this guy. Also, the great Stan Lee. Steve Ditko? No, I thought uh, Kirby had a hand. Do we want to debate over Kirby versus Ditko? Well, I'm just saying, like, I thought that Kirby had a hand in Spider-Man. Kirby is designed. I think that Jack Kirby had a hand in everything that is the Marvel Universe. Yeah, like the way it looks. The way it looks, the yeah. appeal, the design quality, the art reference that they were using for the longest time before people started trying to change it up. Yeah. Lee came up with the character. He Constantly. came up with the characters. Yeah. Spider-Man created by Steve Ditko and Stan Lee. I'm and completely Stan Lee. Wrong. So Steve I, Ditko. I'm authentic too because I can Amazing Fantasy number 15 in 1962. 1962. Wow. And all of the stories, that's what I think is so great about the, the Stan Lee storytelling aspect, is that the stories that, that Peter Parker went through, even in 1962, can still be relevant to what we're witnessing today. Well, they're just human beings being human. And right. 
humans haven't changed that much in like you know 50 years not really but you know even with these kids running around these days and they've got cell phones and they've got their twitter accounts they've got all these things to keep up with they think everything changes from generation to generation but the relationship problems the monetary issues the family ties the responsibility those core aspects that made peter parker what he was yeah what every movie tries to push forward on us about him what they're selling us on this guy is that he's a guy you know like a lot of the stories you got a superhuman Who's trying to be a guy. Like mm. Superman. Oh, like he's not. Right? Like, he's Clark Kent's the costume. Yeah. You know, he's trying to pretend to be a little bit less than he is. He's even, trying to uh, pretend to be... Even Batman human. a little bit. Oh, yeah. Like, Bruce Wayne's trying to be less than he is. Well, I was thinking, like, Batman is who Bruce Wayne is. Exactly. Bruce Wayne is, is, a, the is a facade. Yeah. It is. It is. And so he's always trying to downplay who he is. Whereas Peter Parker is Peter Parker. The story is about Peter Parker. Spider-Man's kind of like this image that he has to put forward so that he can keep himself safe, yeah. so that he can give people this kind of ideal of hope. That was the uh, the kind of Peter Parker that uh, I grew up with, um, and I kind of fell out of uh, comic books for a little bit, so I'm not up to date on what's been happening to Peter Parker in the comics probably for about the past 10 years or so. Right. Uh, so, like... Uh, when you're talking about, you know, Spider-Man as a teenager, growing up with these powers, being a guy, uh, it resonates with me. And the same thing in the movie, that's that's the angle they went with. That's you very know? much the Spider-Man that you know. Yeah, yeah. Like that's the one basic, that you're accustomed to. Basic Spider-Man, but basic in a good way, you know. Uh, basic in the best way. Yeah. yeah. But that's like, the guy, the every guy. So what, what has happened in the comic book? Because like, I know you're a little bit more up on things than I yeah. am. Well, one of the biggest things that I think that happened in the comic book for Spider-Man in the past 10 years is a fellow named Dan Slott. All right. Dan Slott started doing an amazing run of storylines with him, uh, beginning with The Ends of the Earth. Now, I don't believe that's where he first started, but that was one of the best stories that I've read by him. Spider-Man has to travel through the world um, and, and battle each of these elemental-style Villains, much like the movie. Oh yeah, that's just like the movie. Is this? Do you think the movie took that element? I think he took a cue from that. Yes. Uh, do we have a question? Yes. Uh, Repon was wondering, who do you think the best uh, Spider-Man villain is from the comics and the movies? I mean, like both two different questions. Okay, so two different or a double-parted question: Who's the best villain from the comics yeah. at the core, and then? Uh, from the movies that we've seen rendered, uh, we're going from Sam Raimi's all the way up. Uh, I'd say any, any movie. In, any movie. Even yeah. like a TV movie from like 1970. 1970. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Or the animated series. Oh, I need to rewatch that. <laughs> oh, it's horrible, but I love but it. But like, um, no, I mean, I, I like, uh, I grew up at an age uh, where Venom was like the biggest thing uh, in comic books. And so it really sticks out in my mind. Um, and I don't know if he's like, what I would call the best character. He's, he's not super complex, uh, but visually appealing. appealing Very aesthetically. Uh, or at least to the 10-year-old uh, version of me. Uh, 1990s, everything's yeah. hardcore. Yeah, I think uh, as a kid, I was more into the, the Venom-type characters, the Carnage, um, just because of the visual panache they had and, and the destruction. 
the their, teeth, their power, the teeth, the tongue, the everything. Uh, but as an adult, I feel like a character more complex like uh, Osborne uh, would interest me more. So maybe in the days that you were reading comic books, Venom appealed to you. Yeah. But as you grew and you started watching some of these movies that came out, um, or just grew matured as a person, right? Because yeah. um, like you know the motivations for Venom are very basic, you know, very uh, they're based and emotional. Yeah, it's elemental. It's that primal instinct that Venom's running off of, and I think that's what made him an interesting character in his original um, representation. I still as drawn by Todd McFarlane, because Todd McFarlane was really great at the fangs, the slobber, the demonic look, and I think that that was the appeal of him, was that raw, primal, emotional, gotta get this thing done. That might have been part of it, too, the way he was rendered. Like, right. him and Eric Larson really pushed the visual on Venom, I think. The visuals are amazing in those days. Of, and I'd, I'd have to agree, back in those days, I was really heavily into... Venom, as far as the comic books that were coming out at the time that I was a young man. Uh, however, I had a lot of their original issues that my father had given to me. And in, in the original run, I was really highly... Uh, I was really into Scorpion. Scorpion? Yeah. Really? The I one? don't know why. The, the green suit, the fact that it's a scorpion versus a spider kind of issue. Yeah. That the Animal Kingdom rivalry kind of that thing. That reminds me... Um, wasn't there another one like the tarantula or something like that? There wasn't. There was a yeah. black tarantula, if I remember correctly. Like, I want to say it was on the covers of off. like spectacular Spider-Man. Well, he had that tied-on yeah. uh, bandana kind of hat. But know, like the first time, I because like a lot of stuff, um, like I didn't, I wasn't introduced to a lot of these characters in the comic books because when I was growing up, like there was the Saturday morning cartoon show, oh, and so a lot of these Amazing Spider-Man yeah. or Spider-Man and his Amazing Friends. Oh, yeah. Who didn't watch that? Well, I Everybody. watched a little bit of it. Like, it was great. Well, we actually got a character that originated in that series that wasn't in the comic books and then later made her way to the comic books. Firestore. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I watched that. Um, the Lizard was one of the characters on there that I thought was Lizard's cool. pretty good, though. Yeah. But he's, yeah. A, he's, a, he's Doc Connors. He's an anti-hero tragic villain. Yeah, it's tragic, but it's still very primal. Like it's He's just fighting like... Um, an animal at some points. You know? Yeah, that's especially, true. Especially the Spider-Man uh, by talking following uh, issues. Very visually stunning. Uh, but just basic villain. You know, it's not... That's true. That's true. He's basic, but... And, and I'd really have to say to finish that off, the, the best villain I've seen in the movies, though, so far, I'd have to give the trophy to Michael Keaton oh, as yeah. the vulture. Oh, yeah. He's just the epitome of an actor. That's a good example. Do anything of what I was talking about between like uh, more more mature ideas about like uh, what a villain would be versus Venom, right? right? So you take someone like Michael Keaton's Vulture, and he's not a one-sided kind of bad guy. He has motivations. Yeah. He has desire. He has like reasons for doing what he's doing. He's not even compared to his comic book version. Yeah. He's got a more grounded. He's not version. evil, right? He's just doing a job. He needs. He's doing what he feels is necessary to provide for his family. Trying to survive. Yeah. Trying to keep face and reputation as well. He's probably going about it the wrong way. You know? Well, yeah, that's true. Oh, uh, yeah, we have another question. Yeah, same guy, uh, Three Pond. He was wondering, um, what did you think about the game? Uh, he really liked the relationship between Doc Ock and Peter. Oh, the brand new... Amazing Spider-Man game, the one that's on the PlayStation 4. Oh, see, I haven't played that. Oh, man. Well, okay. 
So speaking as a guy who has played that and played it often. I've seen people play. It looks amazing. It's, I am in love with the way they designed that game, the, the playability. Um, to me, I was kind of hoping for that Arkham style game system that they gave to Batman. And they did it, but I think they even they top-notched it a little bit higher than that. Because you have Peter Parker gaming. And yeah. you have Spider-Man gaming. And, you know, the way that they presented the relationships between Peter Parker and those close to him in the game, even uh, Aunt May, Mary Jane, or even Dr. Otto Octavius, is very intriguing. Because he's, he's this... Octavius is a more uh, complex character. He is. He's a very troubled character because he doesn't necessarily want to conquer the world or destroy it or anything of that nature. He wants to change it. He wants to save it. He wants to... He's kind of like that guy that's screaming, hey, go green, we've got to save the world, but then somehow does it by using a weather machine that kills tons of people and destroys the world at the same time. You know, that's the Otto Octavius Machiavellian. uh, Right. Right. And, you know, Peter Parker in in the game actually assists Otto in the creation of his appendages. So, in a sense, Peter Parker creates his own villains. Mm -hmm. He creates these issues for himself and has a sense of responsibility for it, uh, mostly because he's kind of got a hand in it. Yeah. It's not just like they were off doing something. He's just worldwide responsible for everybody in the world. It's this kind of tight-knit scientific community of supervillains that Peter Parker hangs out with and helps create. Now, what do you think about, like, speaking of Octavius, uh, I am aware of some of the recent storylines within the past two years, and one of them uh, is the Superior Spider-Man. So, like, what do you think about that, uh, getting back to the comic book element? That was highly controversial. I'd have to say that was highly controversial. And basically, like, and this doesn't really give anything away. I mean, it does, but, like, you can still readable. Well, at this point, it's it's a few years Parker dies. In a sense. Well, I mean, he does. Well, see, this is the thing. So... Explain. Otto Octavius. He was was basically terminal. Stage four kind of issue. And he's he taking a beating from Spider-Man. Every time Spider-Man yeah. punched him, like his brain sloshed around in there. Yeah. Uh, he's, and he's, a, he's a normal guy, you know. So when he got hit, it's and a normal guy getting hit by Spider-Man. You know? Who is the comparable strength as like Spider. So um, Otto is towards the end of his life. And he actually is what created the Ends of the Earth storyline I was talking about. Oh, okay. Yeah, he, he initiated a lot of this. Dan Slott really did a good job of emoting Otto Octavius. I don't know if he was more in love with Spider-Man than the stories when he was writing it as much as he was Dr. Octopus. I think he was really in love with that character and it showed. And, you know, so it gets to the point where Otto is able to switch his brain, his brain waves. His brain waves. Like, you know, with Peter's body. His soul, I guess. So, aka soul, if you want to go to the mythical sense of it. Um, But he switches bodies. So Peter is in, Peter's in Octavius's the dying, dying body. body. Yeah, yeah. And Otto's... And Otto the, is in um, Peter Parker's, Spider-Man's body. Uh, so he, he's got Otto's mind, but Peter Parker's, like, abilities. But he's also... See, this is the thing, and that, and that you, you gradually get to know this over the course of the Superior Spider-Man storyline. 
is that there are still brain waves of people. Oh, like a remnant. Uh, the remnant trace, yeah. the written scars upon the brain tissue that are Peter Parker. And so that residual essence, that residual soul of Peter is there and it's fighting to stay alive. And at the same time, Otto is trying to destroy it, but save the memories yeah. so that he can interact with May, with Mary Jane. Because the first thing he's thinking is, oh, look at Mary Jane. Can't wait to do this. Really? Yeah, yeah. But then he actually finds her insufferable and boring. <laughs> yeah. And well, he ends up falling in love with this very brilliant woman who ha- also yeah. happens to suffer Is that from why they get a divorce? It's because, like, yes. it is? It's no Otto idea. did so many things to Pete during that story, but yeah. almost everything, one of the things that they that he did actually end up being a huge staple for where Spider-Man is now. So he not only divorces his wife, leaves a lot of his relationships battered and yeah. torn, he arrests the Black Cat, not knowing the relationship between yeah, her and yeah. Spider-Man. She's now the new kingpin going after Spider-Man, really? wanting him dead. Um, Otto creates Parker Industries. So basically... Oh, with, so now Peter Parker's rich. Oh, he's he's the new Stark. He's the new Stark. Did they? So they implied in the new movie, uh, which there are spoilers. Um, yeah, spoiler alert. Yeah. If you're watching us... You've seen the movie. We might let a spoiler slip uh, one or two of the new movie. So we're not intending it, but like just warning. Um, Turn it off, Scott. Yeah. And this isn't actually a spoiler, I wouldn't think. But like they kind of... An innuendo. Yeah. They're setting up Parker to replace Tony in a sense. Uh, Technologically speaking, I think they want Parker to uh, be the brain of the new MCU. Because remember when he... They were talking about the uh, rips in reality with Beck. True. And uh, Parker's eyes lit up and it was like, but how is that possible? And he's, Smartest this, guy this, in the this, room. Never yeah. apologize. And they keep that. talking about Peter being incredibly intelligent. Like, True. Oh, we have a hand raised. Uh-oh. Question? Speaking of spoilers, uh, someone has a spoiler question about the movie. Okay. Uh, Kung Fu Captain uh, asks, What's your opinions on how the Scrolls' reintroduction in Far From Home differ from Secret Invasion, i.e. the infiltration and such? That's a Tony question. Oh, man. Well, you know, going strictly off of the comic book world, the Scrolls were always malevolent. Yeah, they kind of changed that with MCU. They did. The MCU being a unique reality has presented the scrolls to us in a very identifiable way. Unless it's all trans. Well, it could be a long game. Now that's true, but they're lovable. They did mention the Kree uh, sleeper cells in this movie. I don't they know if did. you caught that. They did. Um, yeah. So there, there might who, be. Who we're at war with, and that's the thing is, is that and one of the biggest things that I took from this movie is when they said. Sometimes there's a phase in your life, and you have to move on to the next phase. Oh, they said that. Yeah. So <laughs> thinking of the world and the and yeah. the movie trend of this is phase one, two, three. So now we're moving on to a new phase. So that's really this one. Really, I think caps off the initial storyline of the twenty-two movies. The first three phases, the Infinity Saga, as they put it, yeah. and this moves us into a new phase. And it does seem like they're going to be introducing a lot more cosmic level events within this new phase because, and you know, thinking about the fact that they're going to be possibly introducing some people like the Fantastic Four. 
Doctor Doom. Doctor Doom. We're talking galactic level people. Silver Surfer. The Guardians of the Galaxy or the Asgardians I, of the I, Galaxy. I Warlock is probably gonna show up. Warlock and uh, uh, number three of. I think that something like you know the stuff like that, the cosmic level stuff, Silver Surfer, Galactus. Uh, I don't think that that the audience, a mass audience, would have been ready for that. Until after, but they're going to want somebody to identify with. And to answer Kung Fu Captain's question, I really think that that's what they've introduced the scrolls in the sense that they have to do. I think they've given us somebody that's a lovable cohort Mm -hmm. within the superhero world. So they're not necessarily the superheroes we're looking for, but they are those lovable characters that we can identify with, find funny. Yeah. And go along for the ride. Do you think there's going to be some sort of like secret invasion, like betrayal? Uh, I don't know if they would the actually do a betrayal of the scrolls at this point within the MCU. I think they would honestly. Or maybe it's a separate cell, like that doesn't think that uh, this is the way they should go. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Well, there, there was actually a storyline in 1999 when we were changing over to the new millennium. Within the Uncanny X-Men, actually it was the main X-Men's story arc, but they were wrapping up the Uncanny X-Men and X-Men run that started with Jim Lee and Chris Claremont. And, you know, uh, so Apocalypse is doing all of these crazy things. I'm going to stop you. Okay. Say Apocalypse in your uh, Christopher Walken. Because you were kind of... Whoa! Apocalypse! What are you doing? Just... Destroying the world here. <laughs> just the apocalypse. Uh, so yeah, apocalypse is doing its thing. It's just going to happen. No, whenever you say apocalypse, do it. Apocalypse. A- apocalypse okay. is doing his thing. And uh, he's he's trying to you know collect these 12 mutants yeah. that are supposed to make it able for him to transfer his soul into a new body. And he wants it to be this guy named X-Man, who's basically Cable. Uh, anyway, yeah, okay. confusion ensues. It's an X-Man story. Yeah. So... The main point was the the battalion that he used as his primary strike force were scrolls. Okay. But they weren't just scrolls, they were mutant scrolls. So through the end of Wait, the story. How, how did that even happen, given how the mutants were created? Now, okay, so this was at the time. Yeah. Mutation was supposed to be possible on any planet. Yeah. And even if you think about the Shi'ar Empire's Imperial Guard, led by the Gladiator. Most of those entities are either tech-based legacy characters or mutations of these alien species. It's the mutants. So by the end of the storyline, when these displaced girls who were like, well, he was making us do this, but we don't really want to be bad, who's going to try and take their hand and lead them into a new direction? Professor Xavier. And so they were this little splinter cell of good scrolls with mutant powers. So you think it might do the opposite way? Have a splinter cell of bad scrolls? Yeah, maybe a little yeah. cell of the loyalist or old way kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, because they're extremists. They're in the middle of a war, and so you know, a centuries-old war, I think. True. And so there would have to be some that were like, "No, we're not going to just like roll over and find another planet. This is our planet." Yeah. Like, and so I can easily imagine them continuing with that, uh, despite like the. Hierarchical, like that. Right. Well, you know, and you have a queen uh, within the scroll species. In the comics, usually mm-hmm. there's a queen, and she's responsible for telling them what to do, and they will follow her bidding. So maybe there's an evil queen out there, and she's going to try and dictate that. Specifically, the mutant scrolls were the ones that entered conflict with 
started also. So that could be another time there. There we go. What's what's great about the new uh, phase is I don't know what they're going to do, and that no excites me. Excites no me. idea yet. I do still think that. What's uh, the big bad? Is it even going to be somebody that big? It could be a nihilist, maybe. Could it be a nihilist? Could it be Doctor Doom, and he's going to play a long game? Could I'd like Galactus to see that. be the threat? I, I mean, I would think that Doctor Doom, as far as long game, would be better. Yeah. Question. This is just a question for me. Who is a nihilist? A nihilist. A nihilist. I do not want to go for that. You don't want to go for Bug Guy? Okay, so there's this this different realm of existence slash reality. If I was Reed Richards, I could explain this to you in a way you would never understand it. Uh, But there's another dimension. It's called the negative zone. And within the negative zone, there are two entities that battle over superiority within the negative zone. Blastar, this big bearded guy who can shoot lasers out of his hands... Or Annihilus, who has control of what's called the Cosmic Control Rod and gives him the ability to control this humongous army of devouring insects. So basically a horde of locusts, and he's the king locust. Cosmic locusts. Cosmic locusts. And they can eat planets. They can go through anything. As long as he has that control rod, that's what happens. And that was a huge part of a storyline called the Annihilation Wave led by Annihilus, uh, that hit the Marvel Universe and reintroduced and truly fastened in the popularity of some people's favorite characters, such as Rocket Raccoon, Star-Lord, Gamora, Drax, Adam Warlock, um, Groot. I mean, these were random nobody characters from back in the 70s. And then around 2008, I believe, is when they introduced the Annihilation Wave storyline, reintroducing a lot of the cosmic level characters. Now, in that storyline, were like Rock and Groot, were they, had they formed the Guardians at that point? Um, it was introduced during that storyline, yeah. just like in the movie, in a, in a way where they're in jail. And as Star Wars being presented, his cast of characters, they're giving him to them as they're in jail cells. Yeah. And he and so they are who they are, you know, a thief so, yeah. and his his muscle because I knew the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, to be a completely separate thing and then I wake up one day and it's uh yeah, it's a, a it's a raccoon. It's a raccoon, a tree. it's a tree. Yeah, uh, it used to be uh, Astro, Vince Ast- Vance Astro. Well, it was in the future. It's futuristic. It was futuristic yeah. and uh, that actually had the uh, Yondu, yeah. Mondata, it was actually an archer from that. Uh, yes? Not a question, but Kung Fu Captain made an interesting point. He said, or made an interesting statement, how true it is. We're not sure because it says, well, he starts off saying, Annihilus is pretty terrifying, and right now, Mark Hamill is rumored to play it. Mark Hamill voicing Annihilus. I mean, well, Mark Hamill and his voice acting capabilities are astonishing, I think. I like Mark Hamill. I mean, who didn't grow up in the 90s? Uh, well, obviously, there's a lot of answers that would uh, contradict growing up in the 90s. But out of the people who grew up in the 90s, who didn't love Batman the Animated Series? Oh, yeah, Joker. Joker? That voice right there. But I didn't Mark know Hamill. that was Mark Hamill wow. until much, much later. And that, I think, really uh, solidifies my point, that he is just an amazing I, what else has he done voice acting? I know he did Chucky. I haven't really watched that. Uh, but voice acting-wise, do you know? Uh, well, I know that he was 
He's reprised the Joker a lot of times. He was in the original Flash series. We went over this last time. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think we've devoted a lot of time to Mark Hamill. Too much time. Um, is there too much time for Mark Hamill? Yeah. I'm oh, sorry. We, Mark. We need, yeah, sorry, Mark. Um, Sex Appeal has said that you don't deserve this much time. No, no one does. Do. No one does. I think you do. No. Can't, Just you can't devote too much time. We've yeah. already done. No, we have. We have. We have uh, covered him pretty thoroughly. And if you want to, you want to see that coverage. Refer back to turn the page. In previous episode. We episode talk about one. Mark a lot. Yeah, yeah, we do talk about it. And we've just we should we should just we make should move on from Mark. Set aside like a few minutes to talk about Mark. Just each time. Each time. Yeah. What is he doing now? Yeah. How's he been doing? You know, How do you feel like he's going to do like a fact or something? Yeah. A Mark. A fact. little Mark fact. Yeah. <laughs> A Hamel, uh, we'll have a Hamel hat and just pull okay. out Hamel hat. little like facts about yeah. Mark Hamill. That's what we'll do for you, Mark, because we love you and we'll always look up to you as Luke Skywalker and as the psychotic Joker. Thank you for both. And as Chucky. Yes, there you go. Uh, now, moving on from that, I'm going to have to say that if he does voice Annihilus, I would be... Uh, very interested in seeing what Annihilus could do. Right now, though, I'm a little bit more intrigued with who they're trying to talk Keanu Reeves into portraying because they're after him heavily. The Did Kevin Feige and his yeah. group of cronies. Do you know who he might be playing? Uh, there's been there've been rumors about him being in, a, in an Eternals movie. Uh, I honestly. Want to see him as the Silver Surfer? Oh, you yeah. know this. Oh yeah, you know I. Um, I don't think I have it with me. But you I, did do a rendering. I did, like a he did a, re- a rendering of you, Keanu, as the Silver Surfer, and I feel like this role would really oh, fit it, you well. Yeah, I think so. Uh, as a solo man, can we put that in. Like we in should try guy in the chair that's yeah. currently in the kitchen. Um, <laughs> could you? There's no kitchen here. I'm just playing. Um, <laughs> Could you try and get that image, and at a later date and time, just put that put that on in. Just drop it in. Just drop it. Wait, drop it in right I'm now. I'm looking for confirmation on the Mark Hamill. Yes. What do we find? The is that he's going to be in Guardians of the Galaxy three. Oh wow! That's soon. That's the next one. As, that's the next one. As the, as potentially the voice of a nihilist. So like they are oh, going to do that. Introducing a nihilist yeah. that early too. Also. On the side of the page on Cosmic Book News is fan art for Keanu Reeves as Adam Warlock. I oh, see. I would prefer cool. not to have him as Adam Warlock. He's got that nice deadpan kind of like monotone. He does. He does. Yeah. And that and I'm not saying he couldn't pull it it's off. It's also why he'd be good at Silver Surfer. I'm highly devoted yeah. to him being the Silver Surfer. I just really feel like that yeah, I did like a quick mock-up of that. Yes, it's it amazing. Perfect. It's amazing. And then we could have Lawrence Fishburne take over the role of Galactus. Please, Lawrence, be Galactus. Oh, that would be great. I think it yeah, would, yeah. because then in his hand, as he's going, I introduce you to a new world, my surfer. And it's like, you know, it's Lawrence Fishburne. It's, it's the, because uh, he's got a better voice than I do. One. But then the one, the yeah, yeah. little Neo comes out of his hand, and he's like, whoa. And then he flies out into the universe. But I, I really think that he could pull off that role and make you feel. I, I think he could. And then like some John Wick like shooting, but with his fingers and cosmic blasts. Just because I'd like to see him do that. It would be a funny part. You've already seen him do that. 
We have seen him do that, but I think that that would be a funny part of a Silver Surfer movie to give that humor that they like to throw in nowadays. Maybe where he's just like like a trick shot, like like a little behind the neck. Yeah, like and then like bounces off some stuff, hits some people. I would like to see instead of like a shot, like just straight laser that he's just like that. Yeah, so it could be something like that. Maybe have Howard the Duck be his sidekick in the movie. Have they said anything about Howard the Duck coming Um, back? I'd really like to know that. Mark Hamill could be Howard the Duck. Let's discuss that. But he can't be a Nihilus and Howard. No, why not? Well, I, thought he, I thought he was a talented man. Um, he is a talented man, but we also like to give other people work. You know, this is all about giving people jobs. Yeah, right. we're, we're trying to get out there. We're trying to so expand Keanu, ourselves. But how does Spider-Man fit in all that, though? The whole thing? I, I have no idea. I wouldn't see... Like, if we're going cosmic... What are doing, like, a Secret point? Wars... I would like to see Secret Wars. Would you think that's a Secret Wars? Well, I mean, Spider-Man did fight with... And then, like, the big, Silver the big bad would be some, like, you know, Nihilus, but then the Beyonder's going to be in the mix. The Beyonder's a pretty big bad. Yeah. In the way that he's not even supposed to he's be He's not bad. bad he's like, just chaotic neutral. Well, like, you know, who gets a hold of the power of Beyond, right. and then he can't control it, and... They can tie in, like, God little, Doom. Uh, God Doom action. Yeah, yeah, that's always good to have those stories. Because, well... What I found fascinating about the MCU and and currently what they're doing with Spider-Man, but what they've done with every single movie, is taking the grounded characteristics from the original stories, from all the old Stan Lee stuff, and they have so much of that just involved in the spirit of the movies. But then they take a lot of these new, very intriguing storylines and they spice it up. It's just like like that old Emerald guy on the cooking show. He just goes, bam! And he spices it up a little bit. And so they have that classic story arc and that classic characterization of these characters. That's a lot of use of the word character. But they spice it up with these new stories. And I think that with Spider-Man, you know, giving him that introduction as a teenage guy, the guy that you identify with, but with some of these new story twists, such as him going around the world and doing things that he never really used to do. He was just based in New York. That was it. He was Shadow, your friend. Shadow Monkey, Monkey or whatever. Sha- oh, uh, Night Monkey. Night Monkey. Night yeah. Monkey is my new favorite thing in the world. I want Night Monkey to be a comic book now. Like his own his own thing. Like his own thing. Like it's it's a guy that saw Night Monkey doing a thing who was Spider-Man. But then inspired. becomes his own yeah, Night yeah. Monkey. And maybe he's maybe he's French. I'm okay with the character being French at this point so that he can be a little bit more debonair. Yeah. And because I don't even know what debonair means, but it sounds French. Yeah. Night Monkey sounds debonair. Night Monkey seems debonair. He seems like your classic thief. Thief of the night, but does the right thing because he's got a conscience. Maybe. Just not when it comes to not taking things that aren't his. He wants it more. Like the persona. Like he took. Right. It was not his. Exactly. He stole the persona. He'll steal the tech to make him a better Night Monkey. Maybe some sort of a prehensile tail attachment. Maybe he could be a ninja monkey. Yeah. Well, there. I was thinking uh, Iron Monkey. I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's a kung fu movie from back in the day. I'm trying to think. Uh, was it you and Wu Ping did that? Maybe. But Iron Monkey, go see it. It's a good kung fu movie. You'd probably have to go rent it or download it or yeah. YouTube it. Maybe. How know. old are we? It's not that old. Maybe nineties, early nineties, something like that. That's good. That's what made me think of. Was it's Iron something Monkey. worth looking into. Yeah. So this might be a guy who's kung fu oriented. Yeah, yeah. Becomes a night monkey, steals the character. Yeah. 
but then steals the ship. Mm-hmm. Because Night Monkey's already stolen our hearts. We're looking out for you, Night Monkey. Marvel, bring it to us. If you can give us Squirrel Girl and Gwenpool, you can give us Night Monkey. Oh yeah, I would love to see a comic book dedicated to Night Monkey. There's actually a comic book right now that I was I was really interested in trying to tell people about. But there's this Deadpool comic out right now. And um, the storyline is pretty simplistic. But a lot of the wacky characters within Marvel Universe, such as Squirrel Girl, Howard the Duck, Rocket, Groot. You know, these are characters that they're showing in this. They're being killed off. There's a murder mystery going oh, on. Deadpool is taking it upon himself to solve the murder. And he and the other wacky characters, old Howard the Duck yeah. and Rocket and Groot, are going out trying to save themselves and solve the mystery. It's it's wackadoo and fun and just classic campy. Yeah, I wonder story. how they're getting a great Deadpool one. I heard that uh, while Ryan Reynolds is still going to be Deadpool, they're going to go a different direction, whatever that means, with uh, the character. They may have to go a little bit more sinister with him for a while. Maybe make him a little bit more of his evil counterpart as he started. Or like more fourth wall or maybe. What what do they mean by different directions? They could be anything. Well, you know, so much of these Fox movies with him were so stapled around the X-Men universe. And now with the X-Men universe being in flux, we know that everybody else is going to be replaced. We know that we're going to get new actors. We know that Hugh Jackman probably won't be Wolverine. Why? Because he's aging. And this is going to last another 10 years. So unless you want a realistic version of Old, old Man, Man Logan. Logan right there, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's the only way Hugh Jackman's doing that. And I don't mean any offense to you, my very beautiful friend Hugh Jackman. But sometimes you have to be okay with characters replacing characters. And I think that... Uh, one of the greatest ways that we've seen that is not only with the with the Batman series. You know, we've gone through Keaton. Everybody was loved the Keaton. greatest. Like Keaton was the greatest. Keaton was great. I love Adam West for his own else. ways, but I love Michael Keaton. And yeah. then we got Kilmer. Uh, I mean, Valdor he was good. Cool. Yeah, just not he was cool. Not he wasn't my Batman either. And then there was another guy that everybody forgot. <laughs> guy he might have been a doctor on ER, and then everybody was like, "Stop acting." I'm not even going to say his name because I don't want him to... You don't remember it, do you? Yeah. No. <laughs> I do. I do. I totally do. I remember his his uh, cameos on Roseanne. Um, George Clooney, I know George you. Clooney. I know your, your work history. I just am not fond of the work that you did on Batman. And I, I would like it if you released... I, would, I think he should release a statement blaming it all. He thought Schumacher. it was all him. But like, no, it's not George. George, it's not your fault. Yeah. It's Joel Schumacher's fault. Yeah. I mean, single-handedly, that guy tried to destroy Batman as just an idea. did what he was told to do. How do you feel about the difference between, and before I move on from... Yeah, we're going off on a George Clooney tangent. Well, we are, and, and I don't feel like I really want to hate on him that much. I didn't like him as Batman. I didn't like Batman and Robin. I didn't like Batman Forever, but I really hated Batman and Robin. And I don't blame that on the actors. I do solely blame that on Joel Schumacher and anyone who gave him the license to kill Batman. Um, But before I move on from that, because Spider-Man also has gone through those iterations and changes with actors, several actors playing one yeah, role, saying, and we uh, get used to, to bring it back to Spider-Man. To bring it back to Spider-Man, we, we yeah, had our Tobey Maguire, we had Andrew, our... Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield, I liked. See, like, 
you know, if I was to order my favorite Spider-Man of the recent movies, it would probably be Tom Holland. Perfect. Hits the character tone. Perfect for me. Uh, Tobey Maguire. Same, but a little bit less. Uh, and then Andrew Garfield didn't feel like Peter Parker to me. Uh, and so that's the order I would put them in. And I know See, that you have the opposite. Okay. No, I, I, well, not quite the opposite. I mean, Tom Holland is great. Tom Holland is the epitome of Peter Parker. He just jumped off the page and became a person. I'm pretty sure that that's how Kevin Feige found him. He basically created a machine. He's like a mad scientist. He created a machine to pull Peter Parker straight out of the ink of an old print comic book. The original, number one. Pulled him out and created him and told him, your name is Tom. Identity. Yeah, that's why he can never keep the scripts a secret because it's his own life he's telling him about. It's actually... It just comes out naturally. Yeah, Yeah, so Tom Holland's the mask. Peter Parker's reality. Yeah. Uh, No, uh, but he is amazing. And one of the most interesting things about him for me was seeing a comparison photo of Stan Lee as a young man. Oh, yeah, I saw that. I saw that. It looked very similar. Oh, spit an image. But after Tom Holland, which I would place up here as real Spider-Man. Oh, he's literally the real Spider-Man. He's literally the real Spider-Man. I've seen it in action. And then... He can do all those things. Well, right below him, I would put Andrew Garfield. Because Andrew Garfield did a lot of good characteristics. Not quite Peter for me, but... A good take on a kid from the Bronx who randomly got powers. It's like, what if it was, uh, instead of Peter Parker, it was his older brother, the slightly more edgy Tom yeah. Parker. Not his awkward older brother. Yeah. He's more cool. He's, he's more tall. He's got the good looking like girl. Yeah, like, he wasn't he, the awkward he, kid. Now, if you want the complete kid. awkward yeah. kid, the guy that nailed being the nerd that nobody wants to talk to sitting in the back of the Toby class. Maguire. Toby Maguire nailed that. He just didn't nail that in the way that I thought I could ever yeah. think of him as a hero. or as Well, he didn't Parker. nail the Spider-Man part as he well didn't. as Tom Holland did. I liked it better, though, when he was in the mask because yeah. then I couldn't see him making the cry face. Yeah. His cry face disturbs me. It scrunches up, things start coming out of them, noises, liquids. Yeah, no, okay, uh, stop right there. Yeah, it's, but like, um, it's moist. Yeah, it's just, he's my second choice. Tom Holland's it's, number one. He's, uh, uh, actually, I put it like, t- guy in the chair, look up who played Spider-Man in the premier TV sitcom movies from the 1970s. He's my second. Well, it was like a uh, major he's my TV second. movie. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. That I'm, guy. He's my second favorite. Okay. I think it'll be Tom Holland, whoever that guy is that he finds out for <laughs> Wait, me. Wait, can you we include like animation as well? Like so for okay, me, well then the animated series yes. from the nineties, that's Peter Parker. No, I'd still say Tom Holland animated series, the guy from the seventies, then Andrew Garfield, okay. then Toby Maguire, if we Nicholas need a Hammond? Nicholas, Nicholas Hammond. Hammond. Okay, yeah. so Tom Holland, animated Spider Man. Which one? Because there's two. Like okay, main Spider-Man the animated series, and then there's the Friends. That's that's a good Peter Parker. That's a good. That's an okay Peter Parker. Yeah. It's just kind of crazy. Is he above Toby? He's pointing a lot. This is it above. Yeah, he does. Everybody's above Toby. Toby is the no, stunt no. double he's in like the case. Second okay, so like, if I can get Willem Dafoe to put back on the Green Goblin costume, but yeah. a more oh, rendered yes. Green Goblin. Oh, yes, make your own Green Spider-Man Goblin. movie. I want that Green Goblin, yeah. but I want him to be more looking like Green Goblin from the yeah, comics. Yeah. I want him to be flying the Goblin glider with those sharp things that come out of it yeah. and then stab 
the stunt double of Spider-Man, which happens to be Tobey Maguire. Andrew Garfield. I agree to disagree, but I'll also take another question. Uh, uh, on this topic, Kung Fu Captain uh, wants to know uh, what you think about the Japanese Spider-Man series. The one with the oh, Spider-Man. Wow. The one with the Spidey The Spider Mecha. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I liked... I, I've seen a little bit of it. I've seen some clips online. That's some wackadoo stuff. No, I, I like mean... It. I love it. Well, people love Spider-Man. That's the one thing he about Spider-Man. He gets into a Spider-Man mech. He does. Yeah, he's but he's a, he is a Japanese Spider-Man. Yeah. It's not It's not Peter Parker that gets bitten by yeah. a spider. No, it's it's this Japanese guy that transforms into a Spider-Ranger and has a Spider-Mecha. And that's cool. I think that it that's one of the great things about Spider-Man. Where, where would he rank? Ooh. He's still above Toby. Is he above Toby? <laughs> yes. Yes. Even the Indian Spider-Man that just like kind of... Like the Bollywood? Yeah, the Bollywood yeah. Spider-Man. The one that just kind of like they just tilt the camera so it looks like he's flying, but he's really just still standing there yeah. with his arms stretched up because he can fly in India. I'm okay with that. Okay, no. I'll give Toby one. Okay, Toby, yeah. you're one rank above <laughs> Bollywood Spider-Man. And that's only if he doesn't slap you as they like to do in Bollywood. Yeah, so for me, just replace Toby with uh, Garfield, and then we're good. They can find it out. What, what do we have? Japanese Spider-Man? Yeah. Came out a year after the 1970s Japanese, or 1970s Spider-Man movie. Okay. Our American Spider-Man. Yes. Our so, CBS So style. the Japanese Spider-Man came out a year after the They American. just saw it. They saw it, and they liked it. They liked yeah. those things. And it was put out by Toby. Toby? No, Toey. Like Toey Animation. Uh, uh, T-O-E-Y, correct? T-O-E-I. T-O-E-I. They like to say things weird, spell things weird. Yeah, can we like spice some of that stuff in? I think we should. We should. I think there should be a Spider-Geddon fight. <clears throat> in the comics, right before they moved on to a new storyline called Spider-Man Worldwide, where Spider-Man basically is Tony Stark. <laughs> it's the real Peter Parker. Yeah. He's really back. He's in charge of Parker Industries. And I think that's a lot of the direction that we're going in the cinematic universe as well. Introducing Parker to take that role, to take those reins. Oh, yeah. Tony yeah, yeah, Stark, not only just that, but Tom Holland from Robert Downey Jr. And yeah. the close relationship between the two of those, it was like very father-son on and off screen. I love that. Yeah, so he basically left his empire to Parker he in a sense. Straight off. Yeah. Like, I mean, not, not, just, not just Stark. Yeah. But like Robert Downey Jr. left his oh, throne, right. his, oh, to, Tom his to Tom Holland. Yeah. He picked him. He was like, "You've got it. You've got the staying power. You've got the talent. You've got the personality, and you've got the heart, kid." You got to put you've, that in your contract where you get a certain percentage of the. Gross Let's make profit. sure we get him for ten years, though. Yeah. Let's go ahead and do that to everyone. Ten years total per phase. Next phase, Spider Man. No, 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 like. You have to get paid so much. Like so, like what okay, do you think of Robert Downey Jr.? Take my money, Tom Holland. You're good. Having that in his contract, where like I don't know if you're aware, but Robert Downey Jr. has in his contract, he gets a certain percentage of the gross profit. Good for and him. And he's had that since Iron Man. But he made this. Yeah, he made this. Oh, yeah. ship roll. He deserves every bit of it. He deserves it. You but did a great when job. You're the movie. You get a percent, like two percent. I don't know how much it is. What about like, the renderings of him now? I wonder if he still gets percent. Yeah, because his likeness is his likeness painted is all over yeah, that movie. Maybe. Like, but like, I think that for Endgame, he had made something to the tune of like seventy million. But you know, he million. uses it to give to people. He is a oh, philanthropist. Yeah, yeah. I had a friend that met him once. He's a philanthropist, a billionaire guy. playboy. 
He is Tony Stark. He is Tony Stark. He is Iron Man. He literally is Iron Man. Wait, you know, have you ever seen? There was actually this, yeah, I saw this video. You, he, he built the, the iron, arm. Yeah, yeah, for, for the, the kid, for the kid who didn't have an arm. That was so amazing. Yeah. I love that. When there was really another guy that built it. Yeah, yeah. But it looked like Tony Stark built it. Yeah. He showed up. He said, "Should I'm I have Stark a Yeah, he opens oh, Stark yeah. Industries. Yeah, that, that was, was just so great. Robert Downey Jr. Keep being you. You really do inspire us on and off screen, and that's one of the greatest parts about these Marvel people. Yeah, he's the a, people that have these contracts. We're not just seeing a gritty art Batman, and then he gets off screen and he's a total d bag to everybody. Yeah. Um, like, come on, quit being uh, rude. Uh oh, what happened? Uh, Kung Fu Panda again. Uh, Kung Fu Panda, <laughs> or uh, Kung Fu Captain, or is yeah, it Kung Fu Panda? Sorry, Kung Fu Captain. Um, We've got a question from Jack Black. <laughs> Go ahead. What did you think about the parallels of how Parker was making his suit to how Stark created practically anything during that plane scene? What did I think of it? I mean, I, I thought it was neat. <laughs> that was super neat, super man. Neat. Um, uh, jinkies. That was part of what we were talking about earlier about... Um, how they're trying to make parallels between the two and hand off. This is the new, not Tony Stark, Tony Stark of the MCU. The mo- the new linchpin. He's the new linchpin. He's the new linchpin. He's the new linchpin. He's got a lot of that ability like Stark did to yeah. create, to use technology. I really love the scene between uh, him and Happy where he says, you know what? You make the suit. I'll handle the music and he puts on Back in Black, one of the greatest songs by ACDC. And then all of a sudden, the best part about that made me think of two friends I have, John and Kyle. And not this John. Another John. A more heavy There's metal more than John. one John in the world. There is a, another John. Um, but it made me think of the two of them as they're younger. And if I played ACDC, Back in Black, I could almost picture them saying what Tom Holland said. Oh, yeah. I love Led Zeppelin. Yeah. One of the things ah, that, that scene liked, was too, great. Um, in that scene, was you know like Happy's talking to uh, Peter Parker and telling him like you know uh, Tony was my best friend and you know he was full of doubt all the time. Like, he messed up too. Uh, he messed up, you know, and uh, like you see a lot of that happening in Peter. Like he's a good guy. He wants to do right. Uh, and he does his best, but sometimes his best isn't good enough uh and so like instead of like just rolling over he does what tony would do he tries again except this time he does it better right you know? um and there's a lot of parallels they're trying to make with the development of the character of tony stark and the development of peter parker as a character you know they've been gifted with like uh power in one case it was like handed to tom holland another one uh the brain power and the ability to create these things for Tony Stark. Um, and then once they had the power, they didn't realize the importance of it. Like their position in the world, the responsibility that comes with that, you know? And I don't really... Well, it's, a, it's almost a sense of, it, it can't be me. Yeah. Like, I'm not that important. Yeah, I, I Like, even though Tony is so verbose and he's so out there and he's got that grandiose you know, personality, yeah. it's it's almost a shield for him yeah. against emotional pain. So, for him to be responsible for saving something, like, he feels the weight of it. And, and as you see the, the character progress, that 
weight can almost drive him insane and break him at times, yeah. such as the and age of Ultron. You see that with Peter Parker's character in this movie. Very true. The weight of the responsibility of Could the snap him. Yeah. It could snap him, but he's got to have that core group of people that hold him together. And I think that that goes back to what I was saying earlier about the way that Stan Lee wrote a lot of these characters to be real people. Because I don't know about you, but for me, there's responsibility in life, you know, between being a parent or going to work or paying your bills or any number of things. We all have these responsibilities in our lives. And sometimes it feels like that can't be me. I can't be the one responsible for this. Do you know how much of a screw-up I am? I know all the things I've done wrong. Um, But then it's that core cast and crew, that that character roster that's a part of your life. For me, there's certain people like my best friend for 35 years, Dan. um, A girl that I love talking to. Great relationship, good friendship, uh, Jessica. Um, and then as I've grown to know each one of you within my Saturday night gaming community, it's, those are the core staples that keep us moving forward. Those are the things that make our lives a little bit more super. We may not feel heroic, but it's the people that we know that make us a little bit more super every single day because they see the potential in us. They keep us moving forward. And hopefully we in turn do the same thing for each other, vice versa. Yes, one more question. Uh, Kung Fu Captain again uh, asked the question when we were actually talking about Rocky. We love you, Kung Fu Captain, for paying so much close attention to this show. We love your questions, and we look forward to any interactions we can have with you. You're one of our favorite, favorite people, Kung Fu Captain. Go ahead. I think it's funny, but... Uh. Well, me too, but at the same time, you're still one of our favorite people. Uh. But he asked the question that we uh, that you were actually talking about before the show. Uh, he says, "Do you think Craven uh, or the Sinister Sinister Six may happen now that Parker's identity has been outed?" Well, we were what, just talking yes. about this. what do you think off screen we were talking about this pre screen. What was that last bit? What do you think is going to come after him? Okay, we think like so. Or they're who? they're setting up the Sinister Six. So if you look at it, we already have um, Vulture. Vulture. We have Scorpion. Scorpion. Mysterio, because even though Mysterio... He's three of six right there. He's technically dead, yeah. right? Beck's yeah. dead, but he's also just a program. The Mysterio yeah, program yeah. is still out there. Yeah, and that other around, scientist, exactly. he still has that chip he ran away with. Yeah. So he could totally be Mysterio. Totally be so we have three of the six. And, and that's from uh, Carbon... Craven. Craven. Craven the Hunter. I think that he would be an excellent addition given what they've done to Spider-Man outing him as a persona gonna to the world. He's going to play that Punisher part. He's going to be the hunter. He's going to be the mercenary. They, they, there's been rumors that uh, he is in the next movie. Do you think they might do a Batman Returns where they have multiple villains? Like you have someone hunting down Spider Parker, Spider-Parker. Uh, and then you Peter have Man? some other bigger threat Peter that, that Peter Peter Man <laughs> is trying to actually stop while he's being hunted down by this. Hunter. I think that they could do that very easily, especially with a character like Craven the Hunter, who at times is given to us as a relatable character, mm-hmm. someone that wants to be a little bit more heroic. You know, referring back to the animated series from the nineties. Craven had these issues where he was also trying to save people. He also cared about other people. And he wasn't necessarily just a bad guy who wanted to kill people. He wasn't just a sadist. 
So he could be hunting them down, making that paycheck, yeah. like he's going to do, um, while at the same time, maybe a bigger threat looms. Yeah, I feel like, because he can't be the only threat. He can't. Well, I don't think he would. But then there could be other uh, threats, like just um, like the JJJs of the world. and Well, the J. Jonah Jameson of the world is one of the biggest villains of yeah. Peter's life. He's the defamation villain. He's the superpower of fake news. How do you think that's going to go? And that, that I think it's going to be maneuverably yeah. fake news. I think that they're going to play on that funny aspect of our new age. That was really a like a very predominant theme of this movie, like yeah. all throughout. Like Mysterio, uh, he references himself. it. Oh yeah, he references it directly. Uh, and then of course the uh, the end with uh, the way they portrayed. Uh, uh, James? Jay James, yeah, yeah, coming back, re-portrayed by. Um, give me the name real quick. Real he's quick. he's a great guy. Yeah, I love him. And I can't think. Did. We he need a man portrayed Alf, or no? He portrayed Commissioner think. Gordon. Commissioner Gordon, and he, uh, he was uh, played uh, JJJ uh, before. Shoot, I love him. He was even back in the JK Simmons. JK Simmons, even in his day and age on Law and Order, he's great. Oh man, he's just a good actor, but. He comes back to reprise his role, and I'm glad yeah, he did. That was great. I love that. That was super great. Thank you, J.K. Simmons. You rank up there in our lives a little bit we'll higher. Put him like, a, like right under Hamill or right above Hamill? He's, in my life, J.K. Simmons and Hamill get yeah. to sit at the same party. Yeah, it's a round table. Yeah, and it's not quite the same party as Tom Holland. Like, Tom Holland's off hanging with the Avengers, but then there's like these side cast characters that are having coffee, and J.K. Simmons is there, Mark Hamill's there. Um, they let Japanese Spider-Man sit with them. <laughs> yeah, why? But the mech has to stay outside. Yeah, of course. But they feel sorry for him. Why? why? He doesn't get any money anymore. He's not. He's not currently performing. So there's issues with keeping him employed or maybe fed. So since they have this this nice coffee party going on, um, they let him. Yeah, they let him come in. That's nice. That's nice. Even Christian Bale, since he's he's kind of fallen off the. He's falling off the radar radar. I don't know what happened with him. Maybe he did too many machinist movies, starved himself, fed himself, starved himself. What are they going to do with Batman? Batman? What are they going to do? This is way far away from Spider-Man. It is. We should really talk about... you. I think that maybe next time, let's talk about Batman. Where we're going with that. Yeah. I think that Batman would be a good topic. Um... Maybe There's the so Justice much League. potential there. There is a lot of potential for the Justice League. Uh, I don't know how much potential there is for Batman, right? There's always potential for Batman. Yeah. Oh, I think you want to go a little bit smaller with the Batman story. You don't want to go, like, the end of the world or, like... Batman stories are, like, neighbor, your friendly neighborhood Batman. Yeah. Well, your family Gotham sadist. Yeah. Speaking of Batman, I have my own Alfred Pennyworth. Guy in the chair, what do you got for me? Bringing it back to Spider-Man for a second. Oh, okay. He keeps me in line. See, that's what he's there for. How did you like the Easter eggs of all of the team that worked behind Mysterio? Are you talking about the references to the movies? The references to the 10 years for the movies. The, the, oh, see, I didn't get that. Oh, yeah. yeah because it. one of the guy that was the, the programmer of the computer program. Oh, well, yeah, I got like... When he he was the to guy, Tony Stark yeah, did yeah. this in a cave! Yeah. Well, I'm not Tony Stark! You know, that guy, he came right on back. Yeah, they showed the clip from Iron Man, which had to be from Iron Man. So that had to be. That was Iron Man. That was straight up 2000. And 
in um, same actor too. When they're showing that. back, like I was like, did they? Was that in the movie? I feel like it wasn't, but I want to go back. I want to go back. I want to go back and watch yeah. to see if there is at least a guy, a guy standing there, standing there. and I can pretend. Like they talked to Jake Gyllenhaal way back Maybe when. Maybe special like, additional. Yeah, you know what I had always heard. I had always heard that Jake Gyllenhaal was in the running to be Spider-Man at the same time as Tobey Maguire. Yeah, I remember that. And I feel yeah. like Jake, you should have gotten that. You should have gotten that. Toby's okay. Toby can go to the same party as Kirsten Dunst. See, I don't think Jake could do Spider-Man. I think he could have. Jake is too cool. He can't now. Same same problem with... He uh, is pretty cool, though. Yeah, he's pretty he's cool. He's got a really cool attitude. I love the beard. Keep the beard. Same problem with Garfield. Garfield's, like, too cool. Too good looking, you know. Uh, he's got nice hair. I don't hair. feel like he... He does have nice hair. Yeah. I don't know how good Peter looking... Parker does not have wise. nice hair. I feel like Andrew Garfield got more good looking as he was standing opposed to his lead actress. And then something else not... Like uh, pertaining to Peter Parker, his portrayal of him, Emma. but Emma's but his uh, portrayal of Spider Man, um, and I have a I have a friend that disagrees with this. Uh, so like you know, Tom Holland has those quips that Spider Man makes while he's uh, and he does the it perfect. quirky Spider Man person. He does it perfect. Uh, for some reason, and this is my personal opinion, uh-huh. Garfield when he does that just comes off. Kind of like, rude. Kind of rude. Well, it's like, Bronx tone, though. But see, that's what Tom Holland and Andrew Garfield did that Tobey Maguire never even touched, yeah. which was an actual New York accent. Yeah. Tom Holland, not even being American, sounds more American than Tobey Maguire. Yeah. And uh, I don't. He remember. should have just been Sea Biscuit and left it at that. Yeah. You were great at Sea Biscuit. Don't make me think that I'm actually hating on you, Toby. I just don't want you to be Spider-Man. You get back on that hey, horse. at least it wasn't Leonardo DiCaprio. Because back in the... When I this feel was... like Leo can do something but not be Spider-Man. I feel like Leonardo DiCaprio could be an excellent Osborne. Well, this sort. would have been like... Harry or Norman, I think. Oh, yeah. That... He could be... Today, he could be a great Osborne. But like, he could do it. Back in the day when James Cameron like had the rights to it, uh, or he was attached to the project. Well, back when he was young. Yeah. yeah, this was around Titanic era. So you have a young Leo DiCaprio in the running for Spider-Man. Well, we'd have to leave that as a question in the air. And we'd have to tell you that if you want to find out our opinions on Batman and everything Batman related, you're going to have to tune in next time at the same turn-the-page time on the same turn-the-page channel. Thank you, true believers, Be good to you, and always remember, be the supporting cast for the heroes in your life. And thank you. Excelsior. Excelsior.